Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Well, welcome to church. How's everybody doing? All right. Good way to start the, start the service off. Just a few miracles. No big deal. It's just no big deal. You know, I, I just felt like the Lord just said this to me right as we were kind of watching what was going on. And we've had this now back-to-back weeks. We're literally, I mean, last week we've had a couple words of knowledge. And uh, every single person that raised their hand responding to a word of knowledge uh, was healed before they left the service. And uh, I just felt like the Lord wanted, wanted me to say this. Oftentimes he does miracles that we can see so that we can believe for miracles that we can't see. And I even spoke to someone last week, and they've got something they're, they're strongly contending for. They've got a situation with their, with their son, uh, and, and um, sometimes we don't get to see the fruit. We don't get to see what God's doing there, but I love when he does miracles that we can see to raise our faith, to see him do things that, that we can't. So really, really excited about what God's doing here. How many of you guys were here? Uh, actually, who all went to the Let Us Worship event last night? Quite a few. Wasn't that great? Incredible. My favorite part about the whole event and even Sean being here, I got a chance to be a part of a, a little, uh, another, uh, early, a smaller meeting he was doing earlier that day and with lots of other church leaders and business leaders and kingdom leaders and different people there. And I think my favorite thing about what I see happening here and that we get to be a part of is that God is literally bringing the church together. The, the world has seen what the ch- church looks like apart, and I don't think that they're that impressed. <laughs> I don't think it's that impressive. And so I just love how the Lord has allowed us to come in for such a time as this to not take over, but to take part. You've heard me say that before, but I'll say it again. We're not here to take over. We're here to take part. I believe with all of my heart that God is doing something special, and he's choosing us. He allowed us to get to be a part of it, talk to so many different pastors and leaders. And it was just incredible. In fact, I was talking with Sean uh, last night, and it was so incredible. Uh, he said, I, I've got to come back. We, we've got to, we have to come back. I feel like we're supposed to come back and do several days. And so we were working through some dates. So if you did miss it this last time, uh, start working on the calendar. The, the, the week leading up to Mother's Day, he's going to come, I think, for best we can tell, three days here in Lubbock. Uh, and then he's going to end on a Sunday morning here with us. And so uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be awesome. So uh, I love to see what God's doing. The Lord's been so faithful to us uh, in this journey. And, and even where, as it pertains to spiritual family, the Lord has connected us with so many, so many incredible people. Uh, it's actually mind-boggling sometimes, the people that we get to do this with. And so uh, really hoping those things uh, panned out. Uh, Sean, he loves revival, but he loves to hunt more. And um, in Texas, we get to hunt year-round, so this is his new favorite spot. So uh, I told him, you come to Texas again, I'll take you hunting. So uh, y'all just pray we find a big one, have him stick around longer. So anyway. Uh, anyway, hey, we're going to jump right into it. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. The title of the message today is a super simple, not very provocative title. It's just five pillars of kingdom decision-making. Five pillars of kingdom decision-making. And uh, this, this scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30 was one of my, I remember starting my a youth group years ago, and I, when I started my first youth group, the church I was working with, they gave me a chance to, they said, you can start from scratch, you can rename it, gave me a budget, and all this cool stuff. Of course, you give like a 22-year-old kid a budget, you're like, what even is that? You know, uh, It's money, for those of you who didn't know, it's money. Uh, and so uh, this was actually the scripture uh, that I used in, in building uh, our, our youth ministry. But I want to read this to you today. Deuteronomy chapter 30, 19, you, so many of you know this. 
It says, today, I have given you the choice. Turn to your neighbor and say, you choose. You choose. I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you choose. The choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life. I can hear the emotion in his words. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. If you're one of those people that comes to church to take a nap, that's fine. Uh, but the good news is, is I, I'm a little bit smarter than you, and I chose to put the punchline at the beginning. So we're going to give you the punchline right now. Then you can get right into your nap. We'll see you in 30 minutes. If, um, <laughs> if you don't get anything out of this message, remember this right here, based on this scripture here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I want you to remember this. Your life will not end up the way God designed your life will end up the way you decide. Your life will not end up the way God designed. Your life will end up the way you decide. Uh, last week, Keith preached one of the better messages I've ever heard on the topic of grace. There were so many things that he said that I just, uh, I, I was so moved by. I even shared that with him as he took the message on to Midland. And it, it was a profound message on the new covenant on grace, what it looks like to live from grace. He even made a statement there, uh, quoting Isaiah, talking about how God didn't, he wasn't just wounded for our transgressions, but he was bruised for our iniquities. Transgressions are outside, bruises and iniquities are inside. He covered you inside and out with what he did on the cross. It was one of the most impressive messages I've ever heard about living from grace, living from the place that God put you in by faith. And I, and I just want to say this, although we live under a new covenant, we live under this covenant of grace, it is by grace through faith. It is by grace, but it is still through faith. The new covenant is not a covenant where there is a reward without a response. Hear me. There is this new covenant. It is not a covenant where there are rewards without a response. What Jesus did on the cross was immediately provide everything that we would ever need to live this life the way he intended us for, us for us to live this life. But it can only be taken hold of by faith. It demands a response. The starting point of this new covenant proves this to us. Salvation itself, being born again, requires that we don't just believe, but that we open our mouth and confess. It's not just the believing in your heart, it is opening up your mouth, responding in faith, and confessing that Jesus is Lord. The new covenant demands a response. So even this gospel of grace, I, I, when I started preaching this years ago and, were, and, and was preaching the, the, the new covenant and preaching the gospel of grace and, and preaching it is finished, I, I got a lot of kickback from some people that said, man, you're just giving people permission to sin. You're giving people to live however they want to live. And, and I would just propose to you, if that's what you got out of the message of grace, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. And when I heard it, when the Lord began to reveal some of these things to me, finding this out, finding out that God finished the work for me didn't make me want to do less work or do worse behavior. It pulled me towards him in a way that wasn't because I earned it. It was because he earned it. Amen. I wasn't trying to earn something from him. I was trying to give him what he had already earned. He earned my obedience. He, he deserves my worship. He deserves my pursuit. It's a love relationship. But again, this new covenant, it is not a covenant. Don't, it, no matter what anybody tells you, this is not a covenant of rewards without a response. The new covenant of grace starts with a response and ends with a response. 
We live in constant response to what Jesus has already done. And the more we respond, just like the scripture says, we get to choose. We can choose life or we can choose death. We can choose blessing or we can choose curses. We get a chance to choose. And it's not about works, it's about faith. Not about works, it's about faith. We have to decide. We have to learn how to make kingdom decisions. If we want the life that God designed, then we're going to have to learn how to decide in, acc- in accordance and in align with what he's designed for us. Let's just start. Uh, it's Like I said, it's a bit of a lineup online teaching. So uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not, write this down. Um, <laughs> preacher jokes. Five pillars of kingdom decision-making. Number one, deciding from the written word of God. The written word of God. Making your decisions based on the written word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Come on, all you Baptists, give me a whoop-whoop. I don't even know why I just did that. Who whoop whoops and that was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the, written, the written word of God, learning how to make decisions from the foundation of the written word of God. Uh, let me just say this. Most of the rest of these are not in any particular order. One and two I think really are. One 100% is. I, I'm a firm, firm, firm believer that our life begins Our life following Jesus, our life in the kingdom, it begins in response to the written word of God. Written word of God. Let me read this. Maybe it'll help. John 1 1 says, in the beginning, in the beginning, at the very beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He, all of a sudden you notice it went from calling it the word to a he. Who is this he? Who is this word? He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Does it sound like this is the starting point? In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has overcome it. Skip down to verse 14. That word, the word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Are you seeing who we're talking about here? We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Um, nickname is not really appropriate, but it's, it's the only way I know to explain this. It's the Lord, the, the, the Lord God himself chose to give Jesus kind of the nickname. He could have just called him Jesus or the Son, but he called him the Word. He wanted us to have that, that language in our head. In the beginning was the Word. He didn't just say in the beginning was Jesus or in the beginning was the Savior or in the beginning was the Messiah. No, he said in the beginning was the Word. The Word of God, the written Word of God is supposed to be the foundation for every decision we make in life. Every decision. Every decision is supposed to be with the, with, with the foundation of the word. And I'll even go so far to say this, that any decision that you make that is backed by Scripture is a decision that's covered in grace. Any deci- and, I, and I'll say this because I've, I've lived this out. So I, I, have, I have had a Scripture backing a decision that I made only to come find out that I'd kind of misinterpreted the Scripture. Anybody else ever been there? 
Like, oh, no, the word says, the word says. And finally someone comes and says, yes, it's not even talking about that. And you're like, sorry, oops. <laughs> but let me just say this. This is the beauty of the new covenant. This is the beauty of the new covenant of grace. Any decision that's backed by Scripture, when you make a, description, a, a decision, you're saying, well, I believe that this is what the word says. That decision, even if it's misinterpreted Scripture, becomes a scripture that God can cover in grace because it was a decision made in faith. You literally activated the new covenant of grace because you made a decision by faith in the word of God. I had this image, it's like all of a sudden the Lord's got this perfectly, let's say you're like a, a mountain biker. I don't know why this is the, this, the, the image I got this morning, especially as I was praying through this. It's like imagine your life, God, has got this perfect trail, this mountain bike trail, it's got some humps, some jumps, all kind of cool stuff. And, and, and all of a sudden, this is the perfect plan that he has for you and you're trying to follow this plan. But then all of a sudden you thought you saw the trail go this way. It didn't, but you thought it did. It's like the Lord ran in front of you and with a chainsaw and a, and, a, and a brush hog and was cutting down trees and mowing and said, you know what, this isn't really what I planned, but they think that's the right way to go. Let's figure out a way to make this work. That's literally what he does. Why? Not because you were perfect, but because you were in faith. I love that I don't live a life where my rewards come from my perfection. My rewards don't come from even my actions. They come from my faith in the Word of God. And let me just say this. How can you know the Word of God? This is going to sound so simple. But how can, you, how can you know the Word of God? How can you know the written Word of God if you don't read it? You know, you, I, I love what you were talking about. Just Sometimes we can go complacent and you can get kind of stagnant. And You know one of the things we get the most stagnant with? is the fact that any moment of our lives, we can hear God speak by picking up that book and reading it. Oh, I just need a word. I just need a word. I just need a word. No, you just need five minutes in your Bible. It's in there. I, I'm preaching. Do preachers need to hear this? Yes. Do Christians of 50 plus years need to hear this? Absolutely yes. I, I and we're going to get to this later, but even the Spirit of God, part of His assignment is to remind us what the Word of God already has told us. Sometimes we need to give the Spirit of God something to work with by reading the written Word of God. It said He brings all things to our remembrance, those things which I've said to you. What things has He said to us? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. The written Word of God. It seems so simple. Yet it's so powerful. It's incredible what God can do in your life when you just take one scripture and build a decision around one scripture. It's bizarre. He just needs a, it just one word from God has so much power in it. One scripture, one line, one word in that book has so much power in it. He just needs you to believe it and put it into action. And say, I'm making this decision. We're talking about, what are we talking about? P pillars of kingdom decision making. My decisions come from the foundation of the word of God. If the word of God says these are the kinds of people I should or shouldn't marry, then these are the kinds of people I should or shouldn't marry. Oh, crickets, man. I just touched on something right there. If the scripture says this is what I should do with my money, this is what I should do in this situation, no need to pray. Hear me. No need to pray. Just obey. Just obey. 
Even if you're like, well, I'm not so sure. Does it do? I, 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 don't worry about it. Just obey. Some things require no prayer. <laughs> All right, number two. I can tell you all love that one. Um, let, let me just, before, let me give you a little more, a little more on this because I don't, I, don't, I don't want to miss this. I wrote these things down and I don't want to miss this. That is why pa- parents listen and young people listen. Please, I'm telling people what to do. I'm acting like Keith, just giving all these instructions. Uh, uh, please hear my heart on this. Young people, especially parents. Um, I, I love introducing young people and children to the, to the Spirit of God. I love that. I love the thought of introducing kids to the miraculous, the, the learning to hear. I love all of those things. But can I just say this? If you teach a kid to hear God, quote, unquote, hear God, before you teach them to word, they will miss God more than they hit it. And here's why. There are tons of voices in their head. Tons of voices in their head. And they have so many voices in their head. If you teach them about hearing God before you teach them about the word of God, they won't know what they're hearing. They need to know this. In our children's ministry, yes, we're teaching them how to hear God, but we're teaching them first the word of God. There's supposed to be a foundation on which you hear God. And the more of the word of God I have in here, the more that when I hear those voices, I can go, okay, that doesn't sound like scripture, that doesn't sound like scripture, that... That one, that scripture. Because we all know this, our emotions feel true. And we've got a culture that's saying, live your truth. <laughs> no, ma'am, no, sir. Live this truth. And if your truth doesn't align with this truth, change your truth. <laughs> Leave this one alone. It'll still be here. For thousands and thousands of millions of years. It, it's never changed. It never will change. This is the one that needs to change. But when we start teaching kids to respond to what they hear and what they feel before they know what they should believe, we're, teach, we're giving them a, we're actually being a stumbling block. We think we're doing the right thing, but we're actually being, we're being a stumbling block. The Lord's always done this, did it with the Ten Commandments. He chose to use written words as a part of his redemptive process. If he had to scratch it in stone with his own finger, just to make sure that's the starting point, it's always been the starting point for redemption. He did it himself with the Ten Commandments. He used men and the Holy Spirit to do it through the Bible. The Word of God should be the foundation of every decision we make. All right, ready? Moving on. Number two. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Here's what I love about the Holy Spirit, and here's one way I like to look at it, is the Holy Spirit is there when all you have are principles in Scripture, but you need a specific And what the Holy Spirit is there to do, he's there to say, based on the word of God, you're saying, yeah, I don't have a scripture, though, whether I'm supposed to send my kid to public school or private school. I don't have a scripture for whether I'm supposed to marry Tom or Tim. And if you're dating Tom and Tim, you already got, there's your first problem. (laughs) No twins. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But. 
the Holy Spirit's there when the principles are, you're, you're, you're living from the principles, but you need a specific. There's a still small voice on the inside that gives you the answer that you're looking for. If we don't engage with the Holy Spirit, we're going to miss some of the details in terms of what God has for us. And let me just say this. I actually shared this with a, a young person earlier this week. It's hard to hear a still small voice of the Holy Spirit when there's a roar of the flesh. Sometimes we are not hearing God, and it's not that we don't want to hear God. We've just got so many other things going on in our world that it's louder than the still small voice. The, 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 the way I explained it to this person, I said, now, I want you to imagine the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you, hey, do this. Hey, do this. You know, back in Scripture, he's, he's not in the fire, he's not in the wind, he's in that still small voice. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's that way. He's not going to come barging in and make you do things. He's a gentleman. He stands at the door and knocks. He wants you to let him in. He wants to talk, but he's usually just a small nudge, a slight nudge, a still small voice. So you've got the Holy Spirit saying, hey, do this. Do this. But if you haven't put your flesh under... It's like the Holy Spirit's whispering and their flesh is going. He's trying to whisper, but you can't hear what he's saying because there's too much noise. It's interesting. I, we, my wife and I, we, we, we've, we started practicing fasting. I don't think I believed in fasting as the way I should have. It's like, oh, that's just, that's just a thing you do. What is it? No, no. It's getting my flesh under control. It's putting my flesh at the back of the line so my spirit can take his place at the front of the line. And he's not going to come command, I want to be the leader. I want to be thrown in the front of the line. No, no, no. You have to put your flesh at the back and say, spirit, you lead. Sometimes it's your physical flesh. Fat, it's a bizarre thing. Have you ever thought about that? Like, how does not eating food for a while make me stronger spiritually? I don't even know if it makes you stronger spiritually. I'm just wondering if it makes you hear him better. Because your flesh isn't screaming, cheeseburger! Pizza! <laughs> Bizarre thing. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with alcohol, but every now and then, some of you say, man, I, I'm just kind of struggling. Just fast. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I cross the line and maybe I get into this and that. Okay, if, it, if, you don't know, if you don't know where the line is or you see yourself cross the line, get it under control by putting it completely under and saying, you don't get to make my decisions. Because I'm after, hear, hear me, he says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What is he saying? He's showing us what connects us to our inheritance as sons and daughters. Jesus didn't come to redeem servants. Jesus didn't even come to redeem friends. Jesus came to redeem sons and daughters. And he said, if you want son and daughter, then you got to let the Spirit lead you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit is trying to connect you to your inheritance. It's trying to get you to that unearned, undeserved favor, that unearned, undeserved blessing. But if you don't put your flesh down, you won't even hear where he's telling you to go. So simple, yet so difficult at times. I only got a few minutes left. Let's kind of cruise through some of the rest of these. Uh, number three, prophecy. Remember what we're talking about here, how to make kingdom decisions, kingdom decision-making. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and prophecy. Now, for some, this is going to kind of like ruffle some feathers. Like, wait a minute, prophecy? <laughs> Don't get it twisted. You're supposed to want prophecy in your life. You're not supposed to just put up with it 
And, and, and it's not just okay for others. You're supposed to want it. You're supposed to crave it. You're supposed to desire. You, you get in cultures like this, like, oh, everybody's got a prophetic word, a prophetic word, a prophetic word. Well, is that even scriptural? To have that much prophecy, to have that many people pro- prophesying? Have you ever wondered that? It's like, well, is that, is that even a scriptural thing or is that just what some people like? Go back to 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lines out the manifestational gifts of the Spirit. He tells us about certain gifts. He tells us about prophecy and miracles and healings, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith. He tells us about all these spiritual gifts. Then he goes into 1 Corinthians 13. That's the love chapter. And he talks, love is patient, love is kind, all these different things. And then he sums this up. Listen to how he sums this up in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. How important should prophecy be in our lives? We're supposed to desire it more than anything else, and that's in Scripture. Why should prophecy be such a big part of our decision-making? Because prophecy gives us something to aim at and the courage to go for it. Prophecy gives us, the Bible says, my, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Where there's no vision, my people perish. When they can't see where they're supposed to go, they, they struggle. Prophecy comes and says, this is where you're supposed to go. Sometimes it tells you the future so that you'll just know. Sometimes it speaks the future into you so you'll have it in you. It's foretelling and foretelling. I'm like, just learned that not too long ago. I'm a constant learner. Now I'm going to preach it like the Lord gave me some revelations. I heard another preacher say it. No, what, what is this? What is prophecy? Sometimes it's giving me direction. It's giving me my destiny direction. Remember what I said. You're not going to just end up the way God designed you. You're going to end up, end up the way that you decide. But you do have a design. You do have, there is a plan out there for you. And prophecy says, here's the plan. Here's what I have for you. But it's not just the plan, it's the courage. Because here, if he says you can do it, you can do it. When someone comes and, that's why prophecy is supposed to be edifying to those that hear it. I I, I remember some time ago we were talking about, uh, we were working on some of this and doing these prophetic exercises in in, in one of our smaller groups in Midland. And I may get the details wrong, but I get this part right. We were talking about prophecy and how prophecy was encouraging. And and we were exercising, there was a little circle. And we talked, this one lady, she just couldn't help herself. God bless her heart and her face. Um, They said, Let's, let's prophesy over this person. And she just, this is the saddest face she could muster up. She just looked across this girl in the room. She said, I just, I just see sadness all over you. And I'm like, what about encouragement did you not understand? <laughs> and you'll be sitting there saying, well, I, well I, I believe that you can see sadness on someone. Perfect. Then prophesy joy. Prophecy is not just about what you see, it's what you say. Prophecy is seeing a thing, whether it's right or wrong, but then saying God's plan. If you see sadness, prophesy joy. That's supposed to be a big part of our decision making. I I can't tell you how many decisions in my life I've made because I got a prophetic word. And I know sometimes people can say, well, I... I'm trying to live out this prophetic word. This prophet one time told me that I was going to do this and this and this, and my husband was going to be five foot seven, and I measured the guy I love, and he's five foot six and a half. That clearly is not him. <laughs> Let me just say this. Even prophets miss it. Let's just be all right with that. So don't build your whole life on one prophecy. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three, let it be established. I'm not saying don't give credit to it. 
But don't establish it in your life until you start hearing it over and over and over again. Go, oh, wait, this, this, the prophets are saying this. My mom and dad is saying this. My, my spiritual family is saying this. I hear my pastor. No, get, get several things on top of that thing before you say, oh, this has got to be the plan of God. Don't take one. I've seen people run their lives over one random prophetic word. So I'm, I'm not saying don't build your life at all on prophetic word. But before you establish it as thus saith the Lord, make sure there's confirmation in that. But you should be looking for God to confirm direction for you. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, well, let me, let me say this this way. If you really, the Bible says desire spiritual gifts. If you really desire something, you start making plans. I want you think about this. I desire to go deer hunting, so I'll make a lot of plans. Ask my wife. <laughs> I have never made a plan to take out the trash. I don't want to take out the trash. Now, is it a necessary evil? Yes. So does somebody in my house do it? I'm sure. <laughs> it disappears on a regular basis, so somebody's doing it. <laughs> That's why I had kids, because um, I didn't want to take out the trash. Um, no, but think about it. If it's something you really desire, you start making plans for it. And if you don't know much about the prophetic, if you've never been around the prophetic, make plans to get around it. Make plans. I remember as kids, we, I joke with my mom and dad about this all the time, but every year, vacation for us was to the Believers' Convention. Anybody know about the Believers' Convention? Oh, we got a few. It, it, was, this, it was this convention, this church kind of following that we were part of, and, or this kind of church family we were part of. Every year in, in, in Fort Worth, they had the Believers' Convention. And we didn't have no money, but I'm going to tell you right now, we were going to find the money to go to that Believer's Convention. Out there at the fountain in front of the convention center eating homemade pimento cheese sandwiches. Like, that was vacation for a long time. But I had a mom and a dad who didn't grow up with parents planning for and putting their kids in a position to pursue the kingdom. I'm a big part, huge part. The most important part of where I'm at today is because I had parents who planned to put their kids in front of the kingdom in front of people who carried something that we didn't carry at the time. You have, to, you have to want it that much, that you'll change your schedule, you'll change your budget, you'll change a lot of things. You will make changes and plan. If I'm supposed to be around prophetic, if the prophetic is supposed to be guiding my life, I need to know more about it. And if it's something I really desire, then I better start making plans. No, no. If it's something you really desire, you will start making plans. You only have to tell yourself. I propose stay connected to this church and taste and see that the Lord is good. We believe in prophecy. You stick around here long enough, somebody's going to prophesy over you. Somebody. Just stay in a culture that believes in this. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, prophecy number four, spiritual family. This one's huge, huge, huge to me. Making decisions through the filter of spiritual family. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, says, without wise leadership, a nation falls, but there is safety and having many advisors. How many of you guys can attest to this? There are several big decisions in your life that if you had just asked somebody first, your life would have been a lot easier. Just <laughs> turn to your name and say, better ask somebody. Better ask somebody. It's, 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 such a, it's such a bizarre thing that why sometimes we don't just ask someone. Just ask someone. Ask someone who's going in the direction that we're going. Find someone older than you. Find an older brother, a, a spiritual mom, a spiritual dad, spiritual family, and say, hey, I'm kind of making a big decision. Before I jump off this cliff, what do you think? 
do you think I can afford this house? (laughs) Do you think I should buy this car? Do you think I should marry this person? Do you think I should go to this church? Do you think I should put my kids in public school or private school, homeschool? Ask someone. Ask spiritual. That's one of the beauties of the body of Christ. That's one of the beauties of the church. It's built-in advisors. You just have to have the courage to introduce yourself, get to know them, and then ask them. And say, hey, this is what I think I'm seeing. This, and again, what did I say earlier? What if they give you wrong counsel? The fact that you took this scripture and moved in faith, the Lord will work it out for your good. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that, where I've trusted a spiritual leader. And that, hindsight, 20, 25, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, it's like, yeah, that probably wasn't the best decision. The Lord honored my faith in the word, not the perfection of their wisdom. He honored that because I honored his word. We need spiritual family. And the last thing I'll say about that, who in your life can tell you what to do? Tell you. See, we love collaboration. We don't love commands. And I propose that Scripture says you don't get to collaborate with God until you can follow the commands of God. You need to have someone in your life that can tell you what to do. I think I told this story maybe last week, but I, had a, I have a pastor in my life. And I, I, was, I was on a track. I was about to make a decision. And I could tell in his eyes, in his heart, I, I, he didn't think maybe I was about to make the best decision, but he wasn't saying anything. And I said, hey, I, I know you well enough to know that you probably wouldn't just kind of butt in here. But I submitted that thing to him and said, here's this. Not suggest. Tell me what to do. There's a lot of honor in that. It takes a lot of humility to allow someone to tell you what to do. Young people, please hear my heart. Please hear my heart. Everyone wants to get to be a part of building something. But you don't get the reward of getting to build something and co-labor with something unless you can first be say, hey, I know this is worship's in your heart. I need you to set up the chairs. Oh, this preaching is in your heart. I need you to pass out communion elements. If you can't pass the test of being told what to to do, the scripture actually teaches us your heart is actually not trustworthy. In Proverbs, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. A good attitude about him being the boss. Then, and only then, is your heart trustworthy. Then he'll give you the desires of your heart. When do I get the desires of my heart? After I got a good attitude about somebody telling me what to do. I'm preaching. (laughs) that was humble Uh, number five um, (laughs) the word of God the spirit of God prophecy spiritual family I'll close with this wisdom Luke 2.52 Jesus had to grow in wisdom if if Jesus himself has to grow in wisdom us too (laughs) we too have to grow in wisdom let me tell you what wisdom is wisdom is the appropriate application of truth wisdom is the appropriate application of truth of truth. It's one thing to know the truth. It's wisdom to know how to apply it. Let me give you an example in Scripture. In, in Genesis chapter 37 is the story of Joseph uh, and, and Joseph's dad. You remember Joseph was the favorite, and he, his, it says in Scripture, go back and read it. I don't really have time. It says that Joseph was the favorite. His, all, his brothers all knew it. He knew it. His brothers hated him for it. And Joseph one day has a dream. And Joseph chose to tell his brothers this dream. Now, mind you, this dream was from God. This dream was the truth. You could go so far as to say, excuse me, this dream was the word of God. 
It was the truth. Let's read this. Genesis 37, verse 5. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. There's a part of me that thinks that he got picked on for so long when the Lord gave him that dream, and it was a dream. He's like, oh, really? You don't like me? Well, I got a dream for you. I really do think that was his attitude. One night Joseph had a dream when he told his brothers about it. They hated him even more. He said, listen to this dream, punks. That was the Braden International Version. Verse 7, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundle, this is funny, he's so proud of his bundles. Uh, suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered and bowed before, low before mine. His brothers responded, so do you think you're going to be our king? Do you actually think you're going to reign over us? And they hated him even more. Now notice this, because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. It wasn't just that he had a dream. They didn't hate him because of the truth. They hated him because of how he applied the truth. He applied the truth with a little bit of vindictiveness, I think. He applied the truth with a little bit of of, uh, fear of man. He got picked on. No one thought he was amazing. It was a little bit one day. He said, well, the Lord thinks I'm amazing. This is what he said about my bundle. (laughs) The dream was the truth. It was a lack of wisdom how he applied the truth. And because of how he applied the truth, all of a sudden he ends up in prison, getting thrown in a pit, getting beaten up. There's this whole track record of things that he did. I don't understand. Let me just say this. There's a whole thing with Potiphar's wife and he he had to run. Wisdom, don't get that close to somebody that wants to take your clothes off. Word to the wise. He was close enough that she could tear her clothes. Problem number one. I'll just leave that with all you single people. (laughs) What would be an example of appropriate application of truth? Acts chapter 10, verse 9, says about noon the following day. Well, first of all, let me give you a little uh, precursor to this. Uh, Peter's on this roof. Peter has a dream. In this dream, he sees this sheet come down. There's all these animals on this dream. And in the dream, the Lord, Lord, they also call it a trance. In this trance, in this dream, the Lord says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And and Peter's like immediately rejecting the truth. He's like, nope, not me, Lord. I've never eaten anything like this. And the Lord speaks up and says, don't call anything unclean that I have called clean. Now, what is he talking about here in this, in, as it pertains to this dream? Animals. He brought down animals. He didn't bring down people. He brought down animals. And in this dream, he said, eat the, Peter says, no, I will not eat anything that's unclean. And the Lord said, don't call anything unclean if I call it clean. Now, fast forward. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. It says, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on a roof to pray. This is the scripture I just kind of prefaced. He became hungry, wanted to eat something. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, saw the heaven open, something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained yada, yada, yada. The Lord said, get up and eat. He said, nope, Lord, surely not. I've never eaten anything like this. Verse 15, the Lord said, don't call anything unpure that God's made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, he didn't like the dream. But he wakes up, and when he wakes up, the Lord says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send some men. You go with them. Now, Peter's a Jew. The men that came were Gentiles. Peter was a Jew. The men that showed up were Gentiles. The Lord had already told him, go with these men. So he's like, okay, well, that's what the Lord told me to do. And he goes with these men. He comes to their house. He has a meal with these people. Mind you, a Jew is in the house of a Gentile. Verse 27, Acts chapter 10, verse 27. While talking with Peter, or I'm sorry, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are all well well aware that it is against our law for a Jew 
to associate with or visit a Gentile. So him even being there wasn't supposed to happen according to the law. But then notice what he says. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Where did the Lord show you this? See, the Lord showed him a dream about animals. The dream was to lead him into a truth. The dream was a little, a little abstract. I'm not really sure what to do with this. I know it's the word of the Lord. I know it's God speaking to me. Not really sure what to do with it. But wisdom held, instead of rejecting it because he didn't understand it, he held on to that truth until this moment where he's like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm now in the house of a Gentile, where the Holy Spirit can now speak wisdom to him and say, hey, remember when I told you in that dream, don't call anything unclean that I've already called clean? All of a sudden, this revelation comes to Peter. First, he rejected it, but all of a sudden, he realizes, oh, wait, this, it was for such a time as this. This is wisdom. This is how to apply truth. He said, the Lord has shown me. I didn't see what he was saying at first, but I held on to that truth. I didn't reject it. I knew it was God. I didn't know what to do with it at first, but I know right now it's to tell you, don't call anything unclean that God has called clean. Under the law, everybody in this room was unclean. But under the blood of Jesus, you are now clean. God, what wisdom. What wisdom. He knew how to apply what some might say is a bit of an abstract truth. A sheet coming down with animals. The Lord saying, kill it. Is it really about whether you can eat ribeyes or not? For the record, you can. Talk to the Lord. He said it's great. All the vegans are now leaving the church. So. kingdom decisions. Again, what are we talking about here? I will not end up, my life will not end up the way God designed. And mind you, there is a design. My life will end up the way I decide. And we have to learn to make decisions that line up with our design by basing them on the Word of God, Spirit of God, prophecy, spiritual family, and wisdom. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.